Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to yet another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Ron Hayes with you once again today, and we are delighted to share with you a conversation that uh, we uh, had the chance to record uh, during the wrap-up of the 2021 Oklahoma Grain and Feed Association meeting that was held at the Hilton in Edmond. A conversation that Jeff Hickman, the uh, Grain and Feed Association President and CEO, had with Dr. Casey Schramm, President-Designate for Oklahoma State University, currently serving as the president of the OSU Center for Health Sciences. Dr. Shrum will be the 19th president of Oklahoma State University as of the 1st of July. So this conversation, held the first week of May, gives a little early preview into where Dr. Shrum may be headed as she takes over the reins from Burns Hargis as president of Oklahoma State University. This conversation today being powered in part by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association and the Oklahoma Farm Bureau. We'll be back with Jeff Hickman and Dr. Shrum in just a few moments. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. Oklahoma Farm Bureau has been all around Oklahoma since 1942, and they're proud to serve agriculture in all 77 counties. Oklahoma Farm Bureau is invested into the lives of all who live in rural Oklahoma. In fact, their mission statement is improving the lives of rural Oklahomans. Farm Bureau has a team of legislative professionals serving their members' interests at the state capitol and work nationally with other state farm bureaus in Washington through the American Farm Bureau. Check out their website at okfarmbureau.org where you can learn more about being a part of the Farm Bureau family. Today's journey on the road to rural prosperity, taking us to Edmond, Oklahoma, where the Oklahoma Grain and Feed Association held their annual meeting, and uh, CEO President of the Oklahoma Grain and Feed Association, Jeff Hickman, had the chance to sit out at lunch and visit with the President-Designate of Oklahoma State University, Dr. Casey Schramm. I told Dr. Schramm, I said, we, we kind of want to be one of the first events on your schedule before you take over. And so we booked her almost, uh, in fact, we actually booked her before we knew she was going to be the president because I wanted her to come either way. Uh, there's been a little bit going on in the healthcare world in the last year or two that's affected all of us. And I thought it would be great to, uh, to have her join us. And then uh, we actually started talking about the schedule and we decided, well, if she couldn't be here, the, the first cowboy was going to have his first public event here as well. <laughs> so he came anyway. I should put him on the stage as, as, as well. Uh, but uh, I am really excited for what, uh, what this is going to mean for the state, uh, for your leadership and Darren's leadership, and what it's going to mean for the next generation of, uh, of Oklahomans that uh, are going to pass through uh, the campus at, at Stillwater uh, during the, the time that you all will be there, which hopefully will be a, a long time. It's been an exciting time. President Hargis has done a, a tremendous job. Uh, there's been a, a lot of construction on campus. Uh, um, and I, I think... Um, one of the things, just you know, in my time in the legislature, but you know, growing up here in Oklahoma, that Burns Hargis has done is he's, he's caused all of us as Oklahomans, not just Oklahoma State folks, but all of us as Oklahomans to think differently 
about Oklahoma State. I think we think differently about OSU. I think, I think he has, has helped us think differently about Oklahoma State, to think bigger uh, about, about the future. Um, but uh, get ready, because when these orange heels show up up there, uh, it's going to the next level uh, as well, because uh, she's going to bring uh, a whole other level of, uh, of leadership. So um, what's been going on since April 2nd? What, uh, what, what's what's well, Casey Shrum been up to? Just a tad bit busy. Um, well, so, you know, during the time, I, my official start date will be July 1st. And so it's really been an opportunity for me to start what I kind of have been referring to as my, you know, listening tour and meeting with people, listening, learning on campus, off campus, and um, spending a significant, I have spent a significant amount of time with the media in the last few weeks. Um, you know, they You've been done that for the last several months, though, yes. because you were on the governor's cabinet, yes. not in a health role, but in science and innovation, working on, right. on research, but you were the only physician on the cabinet when this COVID thing hit. So you've been in front of the media for more than just the last few weeks. Yeah, well, and, you know, we did our Meet the Press, and, you know, one of the media asked me, well, what did you learn during the pandemic that you're going to be able to apply to this job? And I said, well, meeting with you. <laughs> that was a, you know, there was a significant amount of time that we were doing press conferences during, you know, COVID, and so... Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was certainly a big, big part of it. And, of course, you know, having served as the Secretary of Science and Innovation, that wasn't really something, well, that anybody anticipated or a role that I ever thought I would play, but certainly an important, you know, role in the state of Oklahoma. And, you know, I spent about five, five or six months living in Oklahoma City away from my family, um, serving in that capacity. And, um, but... You know, I, I was very honored to be asked to serve and to um, do what I could do to serve the people of Oklahoma. Well, we're glad you're there. And I don't know that, that people realize, I just from, from watching and but having been around the Capitol and then watching as we went through that, uh, it, was, it was clear that uh, the person in the room with the, the knowledge and the, the wisdom and the, the science uh, was you. And you were the one that guided our state through all of that. And, and uh, thank you, because things might have been different in Oklahoma had we not had someone like you available and willing to, uh, to help. So. Well, one of the things I think, you know, was great um, early on was the honest, and, and not just because of the role that I play now, but um, Oklahoma State University, the, you know, Animal Diagnostic Laboratory, which is a genetics laboratory that, that runs, you know, diagnostic tests for animals across the state, really stepped up in a big way uh, to, to run COVID tests. I mean, we were, at the very beginning, sending tests out, outside of the state. It was taking 14 days to get results back, and that's way too long. And, you know, the governor really asked for the universities to step up and be innovative and between OSU Medicine and ODAL, we were able to stand up a diagnostic lab that was accredited in seven days, and That's start amazing. running. Yeah, and start running all, all the tests that were run out at the um, health departments. You know, every county health department; those were being processed uh, in Stillwater. So that was, you know, I think a really big point of pride uh, for Oklahoma State University, and it really became honestly, a model that we had other states calling and asking, because it wasn't just a problem in Oklahoma, it was a, cr- a problem all across the United States. Yeah, I can remember when we were in the legislature, and uh, Representative Grego and Representative Cruz, Representative Newton will appreciate that, and, and Senator Quinn and, and uh, Representative Denny and 
and Representative Casey were there. Uh, but we, we took some heat when we uh, did the bond issue and the funding for the, uh, that lab at, at OSU. And we talked about this in the previous uh, session about you know, kind of management by crisis in Oklahoma, that something happens and we find out we have problems, whether it's CDLs or it's you know, the, the Employment Security Commission or wherever it is. But that was one of those deals where we stepped out and said, we don't know why for sure we need to do We know why we need to build this lab, but we don't know every reason we need to build this. Uh, but it wasn't just overwhelmingly uh, easy to get the funds to to do that at the time. Um, thank goodness we did, because it was one of those that when we got in this crisis, it wasn't one more disaster where we had to manage through it. We already had the facility set up, and there were enough of you that realized, hey, we can do what we need to do at that lab mm-hmm. in, in Stillwater. Now we're moving uh, with the pandemic center now. Uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of synergies happening around that that's going to happen yeah. on the OSU campus now. Yeah, and that was great foresight, because the, the equipment... It's my that idea. Was needed, it was. Mm-hmm. I figured it was, yeah. Um, you, yeah. We should have had you on the task force. <laughs> no, I'm good, thanks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, because of the equipment, you know, and the, the ability for us, you know, Oklahoma State already had a contract with the, the, in the company that creates reagents, and that was the only company inside the United States that produced um, that equipment and those reagents to run the test. Everything else was outside the country, which meant it wasn't getting into the United States. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was very, very key in what we were able to do. I told you I didn't want you writing a speech because I just wanted to, to visit and mainly to introduce you to um, to our, our members and our guests that are are, are here. Um, when was the first time you ever set foot on the OSU campus? Oh, you grew up in Oklahoma. You grew I up did. in Coweta. In fact, we shared a, a pastor, my pastor at my Methodist church, Rich Redinger, when yes. I was in, in junior high, came on over as you were uh, going up into to high school as well. And so mm-hmm. we, we shared the Methodist pastor yes. long before we knew each other. But you grew up in, in Coweta, but... Uh, when was the first time you ever were in Stillwater on that campus? Yeah. Do you remember? I do. I actually do. Um, I was probably 13 or 14, so I played softball and, and growing up in OSU during that time period. I mean, they were just oh, yeah. dominant, winning all the national championships. So I went to a, a pitching camp there in Stillwater, and, and I stayed, a friend of mine and uh, my dad, we stayed at the Atherton. And I remember it was probably like, you know, 1030 or so. It was dark out, and, and we heard some hammering. And we, we looked out the window, and you could see the fraternity houses down the street. And, they, and we thought they were building forts in their front yard. <laughs> I think it, it was really around the house walk decks, around. Yeah. yeah, it was the decks. And we, we, we just we could not figure out why college kids built forts in their front yard. And, you know, we're like, maybe someday we'll come here. We'll get to build forts or something, you know. So that was the first time. And so, you know, it's kind of funny thinking back really to that moment in time of that was my first memory that I remember being there to today is just, you know, kind of uh, I've said, I don't think, you know, 13-year-old Casey would ever imagine where she could be, but I think there are so many kids that hopefully can, you know, see themselves in me and realize that you don't know where you're going. Just be bold enough to get out there and try some things. You're a good softball player. I think you even told me that uh, the University of Oklahoma recruited you. I think the University of Nebraska recruited you. You played college softball. I did. I did. I played at Connors State for two years. And, you know, I was visiting a little bit earlier with Pete, and I was telling, you know, him uh, when I was trying to figure out where to go. Uh, I graduated when I was 17, and um, I had a lot of opportunities to go different places to play. But I had always, you know, been in a small town, 
Um, even today, all of my family lives really close together. I, you know, all my mom's sisters and all that. We we all have what Darren affectionately refers to as the compound. We all live on the same property together, and um, for a couple it, more months. Yeah, yeah. For, well, we'll keep our house, but we, yeah, we'll be we'll be leaving. Um, but anyway, it was hard. I mean, I was it was a big transition for me to to leave and to go to school, and so. For me, going to Connors, it was close. It was a you know opportunity for me to you know I chose where I went so I could get back to my you know back home quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a great experience for me. It was what I needed to you know kind of grow up a bit and um, not get lost in all the shuffle. But um, yeah, I played there, and some of my best friends today are from from that team that I played with. I did a lousy job introducing you. I just had you come up here on the the stage, but. Uh... You, you went to medical school at OSU. Um, you were practicing as a pediatrician and, uh, and then ended up back at OSU on mm-hmm. the faculty. And it wasn't long after that that you weren't just on the faculty. You were the dean uh, and now the, uh, the president of uh, OSU Center for Health Sciences in, uh, in, in Tulsa. Your role, your new role that you'll be going into as, as president, when we talk about um, athletics, college athletics, You've been uh, you've been running an academic center, but you'll be now on the Big Twelve board of directors. Yes. Um, and there's been a lot that's that's happened. President Hargis has been a leader in, in that front. But uh, I don't know how many college athletes there are on the Big Twelve board because all the Big Twelve presidents sit on the board of directors. Uh, you'll be a college athlete walking. You've, you've had that experience. So what? Um, Athletics are important. The front, the front porch of a university. Yeah. There's people that that's their only interface with, uh, with a university is, is coming to a football game or a, a basketball game. There may be fans, may not be be graduates. But uh, what's that? What's that like in your mind as you think about having been a, a college athletic, a college athlete, college softball player, running a medical school and a, and a health center, and now. Uh, now taking this role as university president, but having to to not deal with—I don't want to—that sounds negative—but in your new role, in in a leadership role as it relates to college athletics. Yeah. So, so um, Linda Livingstone is the president at Baylor. She's the only former. Glad she still is. Yeah. Yeah. She's the only former uh, college athlete. So she and I will be the only college athletes okay. on the Big Twelve board. And she played basketball at Oklahoma State. She did. Yeah. She did. That's why we're glad she's still at Baylor because yeah. we didn't want her to be the president because there's only one job open and she got it. So. But she played basketball. She's from Perkins, played basketball. Yes. So there'll be two of you yeah. and both have Oklahoma State ties. Yes. Yes. So um, I, actually, I'm you know really excited about that, that opportunity. I mean, I know what college athletics did for me. It really was my opportunity to go to college. Otherwise, I, I probably would not have... Uh, gone to college. So I know what it did for me, what it taught me, and the opportunity to get an education and be where I am today. So from a student-athlete perspective, I think I really relate to that. You know, I've said I haven't had oversight over athletics, but, you know, there are a lot of, of, of similarities perhaps in athletics between, you know, having oversight over a, a hospital and, and, you know, physicians from the, you know, really just complexities of compliance you know, being yeah. important, yeah. but, you know, doctors and college coaches might have, you know, egos, and um, I can handle that, mm. so not saying they do, but they might. There's a few OSU fans in here, I know, some even had orange and black on, and they were yeah. filling me in on where they are, so yeah. I know there's some people interested in, uh, in yeah. that. Um, you talk- are, you know, high-paid, stressful jobs, and so, you know, I think um, 
having had the experience in athletics and having, you know, the, op- the experience of having oversight over hospital and those, you know, complexities of compliance, I think that, you know, in some ways prepared me. I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot with, with that and especially with the Big 12, but uh, I'm looking forward to that part of it. So you talk about if you wouldn't have played college softball that your life may have been different. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've also talked about medical school and how you ended up going to OSU to, to medical school, and we might not be sitting here having this conversation if you hadn't, hadn't gone to, right. to medical school. Why would you go to medical school? Why did you, you choose to go to OSU yeah. enroll in, in medicine and, and study medicine and be a pediatrician? Yeah, well, so I had really had no... I mean, I went to school, you know, focused on playing uh, college softball and had really no idea of what I wanted to do. And I've, you know, always said, I feel like I hit the parenting jackpot. My parents were just so supportive and always encouraged me and said, you know, you can do whatever you want as long as you're willing to work hard. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I believed that. And, but I had never really thought of medicine at all as a possibility for myself. And, I just went to school, not sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I liked science. So I started taking science classes, and I was taking a physiology class, and one of my, my professors asked me if I would stay after class. And he, he said, Casey, you have the highest grade in my class, or are you going to medical school? And, of course, you know, I, had, I mean, it was, it was kind of stunning to me because I, you know, I didn't even really, one, know I had the highest grade in his class, Two, no, he knew my name. <laughs> and so, or three, ever thought of that. And, you know, he could tell. And he just said, why don't you go, you know, home, visit with, you know, your, your family doctor and, and go visit a medical school and then decide, you know, if that's right for you. Because I really think that's something that you would be good at. And so because of that, you know, uh, moment in time, I did. I went home. I visited with my doctor. And he was an OSU graduate. And he said, no, I think you should go visit. And he, you know, said, call, you know, encourage me, call, go make an appointment. And I did. I went there, walked on campus, and, and you know, just immediately knew this is what I want to do. And this is the place I want to be because I had always really admired our family physician and seen how he engaged with my entire family. Um, as I said, I have a big family, and they all live right there in Coweta. So, um, I, that's what I wanted to do, and it really changed my life that moment. And, you know, a lot of the programs that we put in place um, when I was the dean all really center around that moment in time for me. Um, our Blue Coats, White Coat Program, uh, Operation Orange, because that was something that wasn't very intentional. And, again, despite the fact that you know, my parents had always told me I could do anything. That wasn't something I thought about. And it wasn't, I think that moment I realized it is just as important to have someone tell you you can because the moment someone tells you you can do something, that's so empowering. But, you know, we need to be more intentional with doing that, and especially in medicine because, you know, there's a shortage of physicians across the state in rural areas in there are a lot of, I believe there are a lot of students like me who are just showing up working hard but never thought about that or, or anyone had never encouraged them to do that. So creating, you know, blue coat to white coat, we were really kind of... You went after right? FFA students, the blue coat. You went after FFA students yeah, intentionally and, to recruit um, yes. students from rural Oklahoma yes. that would go back and live there and practice. Yes. 
because they they embrace that lifestyle. Um, and because, you know, my kids were in FFA, and I know their work ethic. I know, you know, how uh, committed they are, and, um, and, and it just seemed like a real natural fit. And so, but also because of that, I know that, you know, the ag teachers have this huge influence. And if they tell you you can do something, you know, you believe that. And so um, that was part of it is just going and, and talking to the, the teachers and saying, hey, if you think there's a student. And it kind of started out. I went and I talked to everyone and I said, you know, if you have a student, just, you know, send me an email and, and we'll do the rest. We'll get them engaged. We'll talk to them. And my my emails were flooded. <laughs> and so it quickly became something that we ended up hiring someone to manage that whole program. And it's been great. I mean, at least, you know, um, 25% of our class will be FFA students every year. And um, it, it's just, it's been a, a great partnership and program. But that's also a way for us to have, you know, someone in every community who's intentionally saying that to students and, and really, you know, having them call us, and, and we encourage them and try to get them on a pathway. I've given you a hard time over the years about single-handedly uh, using that program <laughs> to uh, wreck Dr. Denny's veterinary school. <laughs> I knew what he was going to say. I was looking back uh, there. All these FFA kids that used to go off to Stillwater were great in science, and they would, uh, they would go through the vet school at, at uh, it was it was critical in terms of healthcare though. I mean, at some point you got to have people doctors if we're going to be able to be healthy enough to go take care of our animals. And it got it got critical. And I don't know that we would have been able to to staff represent Newton. Your son went through the medical school uh, over there and graduated. I think Dr. Shum's first year as the uh, the dean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that we would have had the physicians that we have in rural Oklahoma had you not done what you had done. Because a lot of these students, if they come from Oklahoma City or Tulsa or wherever, or they're, they're, they're married, their spouse may not want to live in a rural setting where there's a, there's a need. But if you can take a kid from Fairview or Guymon or you know, Idabel or uh, Hobart and, and run them through medical school, they'll go home. They want to go home. Yes. They want to go home. They want to mm-hmm. be there. But now your problem is the vet school. I mean, it's, you got both now. So you got to worry about gonna two. We're going to bring them all in the family, Doctor Denny. They're all important. Blue now. coats and green coats, yeah. 4-H, FFA. Yes. We're going to bring them all to the the vet school and the uh, the medical school, and not just the medical school in Tulsa. You have, I mean, it's amazing when you look at your resume and what you've accomplished, and at the, uh, the the College of Health Sciences in Tulsa. But you have added. And one of my most exciting, one of my first state regents meetings, but one of my most exciting meetings was getting to vote to expand the number of medical student slots at OSU because you you added a new medical school, which is almost unheard of, partnered with the Cherokee Nation in, in Tahlequah. So you now have two medical schools at OSU, one in Tahlequah and one in, in Tulsa. But that's not just a tribal school. I mean, there, there's a, the tribe has a need. Yes. But not all those students. I mean, there's, there's more students there than what they need. So those students will move out across Oklahoma and meet, meet the need we all have in our communities for doctors mm-hmm. too, right? Yes. And so, yeah, so that, that, that is the first tribally affiliated medical school in the United States. So mm-hmm. the exciting thing about that too is, you know, when you look across the United States, less than 1% of medical students are Native American. And on this campus, 23% of our first class are Native American. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's not just Native American students. It's, you know, any Oklahoma students. And the great thing about that is those students are selecting to start, you know, day one um, in, 
in a setting that's, you know, more rural than a Tulsa or Oklahoma City. And we know that, you know, the more we keep them in those rural areas, the more likely they are going to stay. So it is very, it was, it's very exciting and, and it's a beautiful facility that, you know, is sitting right there in the health complex of the Cherokee Nation. And um, it's a great partnership with the state. Well, and it's, and we could spend the afternoon talking about your time at, uh, at OSU, uh, Center for Health Sciences, but the, what, the opioid uh, settlement with the Attorney General that, that funded uh, the treatment center there now, was it $190, 200000000 million, something like that, that uh, came to OSU? 97.5. But who's counting? <laughs> who's counting? 197.5. <laughs> um, but money that's being put back into um, treating a crisis in, yes. in Oklahoma. It wasn't just money that... Uh, uh, that that you know went a little here, a little there. It was, I mean, really focused to make a difference. Um, it's it, it really is amazing. Yeah. What you've so done what there. what we've done, just you know, for everyone to, to know where what we've done with that, as far as you know, treatment, really, you know, focusing on how do you get care where it's needed. We've hired physicians and we have staff there, and we've partnered with FQHCs and community mental health. Uh, facilities across the state. We're doing virtual care to those sites and then, you know, working on a system to send free medication treatment out to those sites so that Oklahomans who need care can get care um, without regard to, you know, how much, you know, they they have to spend towards health care and can get free medication. So, Where'd you find a college football player in Arkansas (laughs) to show up to be the first First cowboy in OSU yeah. history. How'd well, you meet Darren? Where where you find most great things at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> always low prices. Not yeah. cheap, always low prices. Yeah. I don't I, I have not tried the return policy at Walmart <laughs> yet on that, so I don't know. We have to have um, a receipt at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well I was um, shopping at Walmart and Darren uh, was working there in, in a management training program, and I guess he might have been standing at the front shopping for girls. I don't know. He saw me, and uh, anyway, we we met there, and and uh, gosh, we've been uh, married 29 years. Six kiddos. Yes, two graduating on Saturday. So. So five of the six were at OSU. Two graduating. Yes. Uh, they're excited about what mom and dad are. I mean, are they going to get the house for parties at Coweta and you all be in Stillwater? How's this going to happen? Yeah, Do we know? Our youngest daughter said, I think I'm going to go back and go to school in Tulsa and live at the house. We were like, no, I don't think you are, actually. Um, yeah, so our, our kids range from 24 to, to actually our youngest birthday today. She's 20. So they're all six in college and two are graduating. Uh, and so, yes, they're, they were excited, you know, that... Friday night, we were waiting to hear something, and, you know, we were in one place, and they were all together in the other, and our one son's playing soccer on a soccer scholarship, so he wasn't there, but they had him on FaceTime, and they were waiting to hear something. They were calling us, like, every five minutes, you know, we were like, we said we'd call you when we know, when we know, when we know something, but... Um, that took longer than it should yeah. have. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, I didn't say yeah to that, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that was It did take a long time. It took a long time. It did take a long time. But, uh, yeah, they're real excited. My son, actually, one of my sons was walking around in the student union, and the O'Cauley had a big front page article with me on it, and he took a picture of it laying on the, on the table, and he said, 
this is weird, and I'm not sure I'm going to get used to it. (laughs) I said, well, you're probably going to have to for at least the next few years. July 1. Yes. It's pretty real, July 1. It's it's all yours. You get to, I mean, it's not just uh, worrying about algebra class and if there's enough students to make, but it's, you know, fraternities and sororities and college athletics and and your challenges on on campus what um, what what's what's the top priority where do you where, where do you even start on something like this well you know one of the things that is kind of happening i you know with with burns leaving a lot of the leadership is retiring as well so it's kind of replacing you know those the provost we have to you know we have an open position there of an interim right now but that's an opening and there's other openings so kind of you know building my team and starting to do some strategic planning and you know creating a vision that encompasses the entire system I mean there's you know more than just still water there so I think that will you know keep us busy for a period of time you know just really getting that leadership team together um, getting the plans in place and then you know kind of focusing on on uh, fundraising to support that strategic plan, and so um, that that's kind of the 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 beginning, I think. One bite at a time. Start. That's One right. One bite at a time. That's right. How do you balance? Um, I was talking to Kyle about this earlier. Just the number of students on on campus. So, what did you say? Twenty twenty some thousand undergrads, twenty five thousand, and some of those are graduate students. Then another five thousand. <clears throat> It's important to our organization that there's research going on, mm-hmm. and there's amazing things that are happening um, that impact what all of us in the room do, what our members do. Um, but I'm a parent. You're a parent. You've got kids in school. There's parents out here that are sending kiddos and paying tuition over there. Um, that research is important, but uh, freshman English is important when you're you're paying for it. And uh, you know, freshman uh, freshman algebra and the communication class and all of that. How do you how do you balance that? Because you've you've kind of come from a place where you know, teaching and research are, are both important, but there's always you know, different constituencies. But uh, uh, research and teaching are probably about as big as it gets yeah. for a research institution. And and how, how do you balance that? How do you see that going forward? What 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 changes and what's your vision for? more research, more exciting research that also then dovetails into the undergraduate experience? Well, I think, you know, kind of how you keep it all in perspective is it's about the students. And, you know, that's that's the key part of that is, you know, how are you creating an educational opportunity that is, you know, um, gives them the scope of what a research university um, has to offer. From a, a research perspective, um, you know, I, 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 you know, have really enjoyed as my time at the Center for Health Sciences looking at how we can utilize both the education and research to carry out the land-grant mission in a way that's really meaningful uh, to the state, to the nation, to the world. And I, I think a great example of, you know, what I'm talking about, um, you can, you, we've seen in the last year with the pandemic, um, is, you know, how... We at OSU are really working on One Health research, which is, you know, agriculture, medicine, vet med, and other, you know, arts and sciences were engaged in that. But you can see how when that's leveraged to for the pandemic to solve a, a meaningful problem and a need that's there in the state, how that has a huge impact. 
and students can see how research makes a difference. And people can get excited around that and understand whether that was bench research or you know, people practicing uh, in, in their field of specialty. You could see how that applies and how that makes a huge impact, not just for the state, but for the nation. That's the kind of research that you know, I get excited about. And that's really my you know, vision of how you know, we need to be approaching things at you know, Oklahoma State University. Uh, and when you're, you're solving real problems for society and people understand that, they can get excited about it. And it also provides you know, an enriched educational experience, not just for your graduate students, but your undergraduate students. And it's also a way to you know, attract those uh, researchers to the state of Oklahoma, as well as you know, partnering with industry. So even there at the Pandemic Center, now there's uh, industry partnerships with Thermo Fisher and Google and other um, big-name companies that are right here in Oklahoma. And as we grow that, that's an opportunity for economic development here in the state as well. Well, higher education matters, and if we didn't know that, um, we know it now after watching this pandemic and the role that you play and the role that OSU played, uh, the Animal Diagnostic Lab putting that in service, uh, the research that goes on, workforce. I mean, we're all employers hiring people. I mean, just all of those things matter. And, in fact, that's why a lot of these people were here at 8 o'clock yesterday morning playing in a, in a golf tournament. We do clay shoots and golf tournaments and things to raise money for scholarships. This organization typically gives around $20,000 a year in, in scholarships, and we're going to try to move more into uh, hopefully endowing those because it's just it's whatever we raise, it goes, and, and if we can raise some more next year, we'll do more. And my, my hope is, and the, the boards have been supportive of moving towards endowed scholarships so that we can uh, invest, and, uh, and those will be there uh, forever on behalf of uh, uh, Oklahoma Green and Feed Association and our, our members. But, uh, but it, it, it matters, and it matters to us, and we are really, really excited that you're going to be Mm-hmm. In your new role, it's yeah. it's historic. I don't I don't know. I, I guess it's you know I I do having daughters. Um, I see the world through my daughter's eyes sometimes. So it, it, it's historic to be the first uh, woman to lead uh, any of our comprehensive research institutions in in the state. Uh, but I've known you long enough to know that it, it doesn't really matter. You were the best candidate in the in the mix, and I can't. Made it harder for me on the state regents because we've got to hire a new chancellor, and so there's one less candidate available for that job. But um, it's historic, but it's also just it's, it's, it's exciting because you're going to do amazing things for, um, for our state in this role at, at Oklahoma State. And so I think that that's where um, I want to celebrate the history. It's, it's a big deal, and you're a role model. You're a role model and not just to, to young women, but to, to young people, and you have been for a long, long time. But uh, don't want to lose sight of the fact that it's it's historic, but we're, we're really excited just because uh, we're here to get someone like you to take this role. Wow. Uh, well, thank you. But thank you all for supporting students and in scholarships. I think that's really important. You know, like I said, for me, athletics was a way that I was able to go to school, and there are you know, your support of students, is it opens opportunities that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have. And so thank you to you all for doing that. And, I, you know, thank you for, for those comments. I'm excited about, you know, the role that I can play. And, you know, I, I do, you know, recognize the historic nature of it. But what I've said is I, I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I had the career and the opportunities to be the most qualified candidate in that pool and I'm, I'm happy that, you know, there are, you know, young girls um, and 
and women and, and other individuals, not just females, that hopefully can see, you know, my path and see themselves in that in some way that maybe they haven't any other time and be inspired to, to dream big and not be afraid to, you know, uh, get outside of your comfort zone and, and do things that, that make a difference. Hey, we need to let you go because I know you've got a busy uh, schedule the, this afternoon, but uh, I think this has been, uh, uh, it's been enjoyable for us and enjoyable for everyone to get to, uh, to know you. I, I know that because I could about hear a pin drop in the room, so I know we've, uh, we've, we've all enjoyed hearing uh, from you and from Darren and just are honored that you would uh, spend some time with us this afternoon. So last question before you go. I mentioned the scholarships and things we're doing, but what can we do to help? How, how can... Our organization, how can the people in this room that are community leaders across the state, some of them may be OSU graduates, some of them may not be OSU graduates, they, a lot of them work in the, the agriculture industry across the state, um, how can we help Casey Shrum be successful and thus Oklahoma State be successful and thus the state of Oklahoma be successful? What can we do when we leave out this door? Yeah. What can we do to help? I think the most important thing is to support higher education and talk about the importance of it and the importance of, you know, an education and what it does for the workforce and what it does for the state and the economy. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be important for not only my success in the future, but our students' success in the future and in our entire state. So if I had to choose one thing, that's, that's what I would say is, you know, um, be a, be a supporter. Talk about what it you know did for you, what it can it does for your industry, um, and you know continue to support students, engage with the faculty because that's how we we all make a, a big difference. Is you know working together and and you know ensuring that we have uh, great jobs for students and and that we're a great place to work and and live and raise families here in Oklahoma. Very good. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Jeff Hickman, the president and CEO of the Oklahoma Grain and Feed Association, with a conversation with Dr. Casey Shrum, who is the president-designate for Oklahoma State University. Dr. Shrum will be the 19th president at OSU. And that's all of our time for you today here on The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. We'll see you soon down the road. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the funk companies.